Welcome to The Rundown, your source for the latest news and updates from the Kansas Legislative Division of Post Audit. I'm Andy Brienzo. In February 2024, LPA released a performance audit examining how the CAPERS-3 retirement plan compares to others on key metrics. I'm with Cade Graber, Senior Auditor at Legislative Post Audit, who supervised this audit. Also joining us is Sarah Middendorf, an auditor and team member. Welcome to the rundown, both of you. Yeah, thanks for having us, Andy. Yeah, thanks, Andy. So to get started, can you give me some background about CAPERS, the Kansas Public Employees Retirement System, and public retirement plans broadly? Of course. So public retirement plans are sponsored by a government entity. And for this audit, we were dealing with a state retirement plan. Now, the state provides the retirement plan to its public employees and then employers, which are the state or local entities, help fund the plan along with the employees themselves. And then upon retirement, uh, the employee receives the benefits that they're owed from the plan. And that usually comes in the form of regular payments, such as monthly payments. Now, there's a variety of forms that a retirement plan can take and a variety of different ways it can operate, which I can get into that in a little bit. Now, in Kansas, it's the Kansas Public Employee Retirement System, or CAPERS, that's responsible for administering the state's public retirement plans. Kansas has three separate retirement plans. The biggest one that covers the most employees is the CAPERS plan. There are a couple other plans that cover police officers, firefighters, and judges, but we didn't look at those for this audit. Now, the the CAPERS plan is composed of three different tiers. That's CAPERS 1, CAPERS 2, and CAPERS 3. And these different tiers are essentially like different plans, however, because they cover different groups of employees and function differently from one another. The financial resources for these three tiers are pooled together in the CAPERS trust fund. The audit report mentions that there are a few different types of public retirement plans. Can you tell me more about these and how they work? Yeah. So there are four broad types of public retirement plans. Um, These types essentially describe a plan's overarching structure and design. Um, First, there's a defined benefit plan, which is probably the most commonly thought of public retirement plan. A defined benefit plan guarantees its members a lifetime benefit, and the amount of the benefit is usually a factor of how long the employee has worked for the state and what salary they've earned. Under this type of plan, a member's retirement benefits are not affected by investment performance. So CAPERS 1 and 2 are examples of this kind of plan. Secondly, there are defined contribution plans. Now, defined contribution plans in many ways are the opposite of a defined benefit plan. So with the defined contribution plan, Members do not receive a lifetime benefit. Instead, upon retirement, they have an account balance to essentially do with as they wish, much like a 401k or an IRA. And additionally, members have the ability to determine their own investments, and their retirement accounts are impacted by investment returns. Third, there are cash balance plans. Cash balance plans are kind of a blend, in a sense, of defined benefit and defined contribution plans. Members receive a lifetime benefit, just like with a defined benefit plan. However, more like a defined contribution plan, member benefits are affected to some extent by investment returns. And members have a notional account where the total balance of their benefits is tracked. And a notional account, in this case, just means that the balance is hypothetical. It's not actually separated from the rest of the pooled resources. 
And last, there are hybrid plans. Hybrid plans essentially give members both plans, both a defined contribution and a defined benefit plan. They are simultaneously enrolled in those separate plans. And then upon retirement, members receive a guaranteed lifetime benefit from the defined benefit plan, and then they receive their account balance from the defined contribution plan. So what kind of retirement plan is CAPERS 3, and how does it differ from CAPERS 1 and CAPERS 2? CAPERS 3 is a cash balance plan, so that was the third type of plan that we just talked about. CAPERS 3 employees contribute 6% of their paycheck to their accounts. Their employer also helps fund their account through things called retirement credits, which are made based on a percentage of the employee's salary. The percentage starts at 3%, but it increases over time the longer the employee works. CAPERS 3 members then receive a guaranteed 4% annual interest rate on their account balance. They can also receive additional investment returns through things called dividends, but that only happens if the CAPERS Trust Fund investment return exceeds 6%. Finally, once the employee retires, their account balance is then converted to an annual benefit, which is guaranteed for life. Now, CAPERS 1 and 2 are much simpler because they're both defined benefit plans. Members don't have individual accounts, and their benefits don't depend on the trust fund's investment performance at all. Rather, the value of a member's annual benefit is based on a simple formula. It's the member's average final salary multiplied by their years of service and then multiplied by a statutory percentage of 1.85%. One of the differences between CAPERS 1 and 2 lies in the fact that they calculate average final salary a bit differently, but otherwise they're pretty similar. Now, the report details the history of CAPERS 3 and the timeline surrounding its creation. Can you give me a little bit about that? Sure. So CAPERS 2 was created by the legislature in 2007, and it didn't go into effect until 2009. Now, shortly after its creation, the CAPERS Trust Fund was seriously impacted by the 2008 recession. For a few years after the recession, the funded ratio, which is the ratio of the fund's assets to its benefit liabilities, that funded ratio decreased. Naturally, as a result of this, uh, there were concerns over the long-term sustainability of the fund. And so the legislature sought a new plan that could help reduce costs. And so the CAPERS 3 plan was created in 2012, and then it went into effect in 2015. So now any employees who have started working in 2015 or after are enrolled in CAPERS 3. And since the implementation of CAPERS 3, the funded ratio has improved and it now sits at about 73%. However, it's unclear how much of this improvement was due to CAPERS 3 because the funded ratio was also improving in the years prior to the implementation of CAPERS 3. Now, the audit objective was to compare CAPERS 3 to other public retirement plans on key metrics. So can you tell me which plans you selected and what kind of metrics you looked at? So we looked at a variety of plans from other states and selected a few that had funding levels and public employee counts that were relatively similar to those of Kansas. So the plans we selected from other states were a cash balance plan from Nebraska, a hybrid plan from Indiana, a hybrid plan from Utah, and a defined contribution plan from Oklahoma. We also selected CAPERS 2 and something called the Thrift Savings Plan for comparison as well. And the Thrift Saving Plan, that's a defined contribution plan that was the subject of a recently proposed bill in Kansas that would potentially create a new retirement plan for Kansas public employees. 
And Capers 2 has also been the subject of a similar bill proposal that would potentially move Capers 3 members to the Capers 2 plan. Now, we quickly discovered in the course of our audit that identifying metrics with which to compare retirement plans can be tricky since plans can operate very differently from one another and the outcomes can change for employees with different kinds of career paths. So we started out by selecting some overall retirement plan metrics that measure how plans are structured and how they function just inherently. This excludes metrics that depend on outside factors like investment performance because we are trying to evaluate the plans themselves rather than evaluating their present condition, which would potentially and unfairly skew the comparison. So two of the biggest metrics we ended up using for the comparison were financial risk and employee flexibility. We evaluated a, a few other metrics as well, but those were the two that seemed to have the biggest impact on employees and employers across all four plan types. We also estimated some outcome metrics relating to benefits and costs, which we can maybe cover in a little bit. Okay, so let's start with risk and flexibility. Tell me how you measured these and how Capers 3 compared to other plans. So financial risk primarily refers to the degree of uncertainty about future benefits or costs that can impact employees and employers. It's determined primarily by the plan type and design. So as an example, defined benefit plans are very risky for employers, but not so much for employees. That's because employee benefits are not impacted by investment performance at all, and employers must pay the benefits regardless of how the investments perform. Conversely, defined contribution plans are very risky for employees, but not so much for employers, and that's because employee benefits are driven entirely by the contributions in their accounts and the investment returns earned on those contributions. The state does not guarantee lifetime benefits. Now, flexibility is the degree of control that employees have over their plan and its funds. So plans with high flexibility allow employees to easily transfer or withdraw their benefits with few or no penalties. They also allow employees to control how their funds are invested. Now, conversely, plans with low flexibility are largely controlled by the employer and they restrict access to funds. Generally, Capers 3 requires employees and employers to share financial risk, but it also gives employees lower flexibility. This is primarily because it's a cash balance plan, and cash balance plans generally share these same characteristics. For this reason, of all the plans we looked at, Capers 3 was most similar to Nebraska's cash balance plan. With cash balance plans, both employees and employers are exposed to some degree of financial risk but employees have no control over their investments and they have limited access to their funds prior to retirement. The audit also notes that you compared the plans on some other important metrics, such as employee contribution rates. So recount some of the results of these comparisons as well. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, there were some other metrics we evaluated as part of our comparison work. Um, these metrics are, are generally more relevant to a specific aspect of a plan's function and they operate somewhat independently of the overall plan type or the plan's risk and flexibility. So some of the other metrics we looked at were employee contribution rates, retirement requirements, and vesting periods. We found that Capers 3 has higher employee contribution rates, longer retirement requirements, and a longer vesting period than most other plans we looked at. So the employee contribution rate for Capers 3 is 6%, which matches the Capers 2 and Thrift Savings contribution rate. 
but compared to all other plans we looked at, it's higher. With regards to retirement requirements, on Capers 3 you can retire normally at age 65 with at least five years of service, or at age 60 with 30 years of service. These are the highest age and service requirements of all the plans we looked at. Nebraska's cash balance plan, for example, allows employees to retire at age 55 regardless of their years of service. Furthermore, the Capers 3 vesting period of five years is longer than most of the plans we looked at as well. And vesting here is a term that describes the minimum years of service an employee must have to receive a retirement benefit, even if they leave the plan before retirement. Now, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but we also looked at things called cost of living adjustments, or COLAs for short, which are annual percent increases to an employee's retirement benefits. Now, they're intended to account for potential increases in the cost of living over time, such as increases due to inflation. Capers 3 was one of three plans we looked at that allowed members to opt into a COLA. Capers 3 members must self-fund their own COLA, however, meaning that they must take a reduction in benefits early on if they wish to receive the increases. Comparatively, the COLA for Utah's hybrid plan is automatic and does not require members to self-fund it. Now, you say in the report that you used a simulation model to estimate outcome metrics. So, Sarah, can you tell me more about these outcome metrics and how you estimated them? Yeah, so the outcome of a retirement plan can't just be observed from a plan's design. Um, it also depends on real-world conditions that might fluctuate for different employees. So as an attempt to simulate that, our simulation model looks at how a retirement plan performs in different career scenarios. So we used specific metrics related to the outcome of a given retirement plan to evaluate its performance. So we looked at the total benefit value that a retirement plan would produce, so that being the total monetary value of an employee's benefits upon retirement. We also compared replacement ratios. Those are the percentage of an employee's final pre-retirement salary that's covered or replaced by the annualized value of their retirement benefit. So, for example, a replacement ratio of 70% would mean that the employee received 70% of their final salary in annual retirement benefits. Um, we also looked at what we've called the cost share. And this is the estimated percentage of the total benefit value that was funded through employee contributions, employer contributions, and the investment returns on those contributions. Now, to actually estimate these outcomes, we created six different employee scenarios that differed based on when the employee started working for the state and for how long they did so. Um, this allowed us to compare retirement benefits between, say, an employee who worked their whole career working for the state versus an employee who worked for the state for just the first 10 years of their careers and so on. We chose a variety of scenarios to represent various possible career paths, but we simulated the same six career scenarios for all seven retirement plans, including, of course, Capers 3. Um, our estimates of each plan's outcomes were also based on a number of key assumptions about the employees and also the real-world conditions that could affect plan benefits and costs. So for the sake of fair comparison, outside of differences between retirement plan designs, we made all other aspects of the simulation identical across plans. 
So as I just mentioned, the same career scenarios were simulated for each retirement plan. Um, and for each of the hypothetical employees, we made things like their overall career length, salary, and salary increases identical. Obviously, the number of years the employee spent working for the state varied depending on their outlined scenario. But for consistency, we had every other aspect of the employee's career look the same. Our simulation model also assumes a 7% annual investment return for all plans. Um, this matches the current keeper's investment return assumption, which just reflects the expected average return over time. Also, when it was applicable, there were a handful of other assumptions that we made on an individual retirement plan basis, depending on specific retirement plan design features. Overall, it's just important to keep in mind that with this method, under different conditions, or if we had made different assumptions, the simulation model would yield different outcomes. So how did Campers 3 compare to the other plans when it came to benefits and costs? Yeah, so again, keep in mind that the estimates we made for these metrics are only a general indicator of plan performance, and they aren't based on an actuarial analysis. They're based on our own calculations that depend on the assumptions that I described earlier. Um, and also, in order to explain this as clearly as possible, I'm going to be referring to employee scenario number one. Um, so this is someone who spent their whole career, so age 25 to 65, working for the state. Employee one is a good example because they represent the highest possible outcomes for every plan since they accumulate years of service or investment earnings for the longest amount of time. With all that being said, um, we estimate that employees with a CAPERS 3 plan receive a lower proportion of their final salary and annual retirement benefits than most of the other plans. So in other words, they receive a lower replacement ratio. As a specific example, under CAPERS 3, employee 1 was estimated to have a replacement ratio of 54%. Comparatively, the plan with the highest replacement ratio for employee 1 was at 86%. We also estimate that CAPERS 3 generally provides lower benefits and requires employees to fund a larger share of those benefits than most of the other six plans. Um, as a specific example, under CAPERS 3, employee 1 was estimated to receive $1.32 million in total benefits at retirement, which was the lowest final benefit compared to all other plans. Again, for comparison, the highest total benefits from a plan at retirement was $2.21 million. Now, the cost share for employee one under CAPERS 3 was also made up of primarily employees' contributions and investment returns earned on those contributions. So about 69% of the total $1.32 million in benefits were from the employees' contributions and the returns on those contributions. Again, for comparison's sake, the cost share of employee contributions for other retirement plans were between 49% and 62%. So that kind of gives you an idea of how we came to the conclusion that CAPERS 3 requires employees to fund a larger share of their final benefits when compared to the other plans. Now, while we were able to draw conclusions regarding how CAPERS 3 compares to other plans, when it comes to benefits and costs, there are a few caveats to our work. Without getting too into the weeds, essentially, because the final benefits for retirement plans can either look like a total account balance or an annual benefit, we had to make some estimates and some generalizations in order to compare retirement plans that have different designs to each other. So things like the final benefit, the replacement ratio, and the cost share are, again, estimates, but our work did give us a general indication of the performance of these different retirement plans. 
The report also details some work you did investigating employee decision-making as a function of retirement plan options. Can you summarize this work and what you ended up finding? Yes. So one part of our objective was to study employee decision-making in response to retirement plan options to better understand how the CAPERS-3 plan may impact employee hiring and retention. So for this, we did a few things. We distributed a survey to current and former CAPERS members. We talked to officials from a a few different state agencies, school districts, and counties, and we conducted a literature review into the subject. Generally, what we found from each of these three pieces indicated that defined benefit plans such as CAPERS 1 and 2 may do a better job at retaining existing employees than other plan types. And this is likely a result of employees valuing the guaranteed benefits and low risk associated with defined benefit plans. Now, with regard to the survey specifically, CAPERS 3 members reported being much less satisfied with a variety of plan aspects compared to CAPERS 1 and 2 members. And these plan aspects included things like the value of benefits, the financial security provided by the benefits, and the retirement requirements, among others. In general, CAPERS 3 members indicated that the plan had a much lower impact on their decision to remain at their job than CAPERS 1 and 2 members. Now, we also found that plan type seems to have little to no effect on hiring. And this is likely because new employees are often not as familiar with retirement plan options early on and may prioritize other aspects of the job, such as salary. But of course, it's important to keep in mind as well that employee preferences can differ substantially. Finally, what is the biggest takeaway from this audit? CAPERS 3 gives employees less flexibility, requires them to share financial risk with employers, and generally provides lower benefits than other plans we evaluated. Now, these things are primarily a result of its plan design, of it being a cash balance plan. Now, CAPERS 3 was created in response to the 2008 recession to help strengthen the trust fund, and the funded ratio has improved since then. But we found that it generally requires employees to fund a larger portion of their benefits, and the benefits provided are the lowest or are lower than most other plans we looked at across all scenarios. Cade Graber is a senior auditor, and Sarah Middendorf is an auditor at Legislative Post Audit. They completed an audit on how CAPERS 3 compares to other retirement plan options. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. To receive newly released podcasts, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For more information about Legislative Post Audit and to read our audit reports, visit kslpa.org, follow us on Twitter at KSAudit, or visit our Facebook page. 